Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Isabella Victoria Helm from Unidice, the smallest fully digitized dice that combines advanced tech and sophisticated technology. Unidice is currently on Kickstarter. Isabella, welcome to The Binge. How are you doing? Hey, thank you so much uh, for inviting me here today. It's amazing to be here. <laughs> oh, it is great to have you on here. Every time I can talk about something that is unique, <laughs> and, and pun intended, I guess, with Unidice, right? But th this is something that's really unique and really cool. So uh, I always strive to find different approaches to guests on the show, whether it be artists, developers, designers, and so forth. And anytime I can get into something that is an accessory like this, I think is, is super cool. So thanks for agreeing to join us. Um, I thought I would just start off uh, by just mentioning you're in Germany now, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. As a company. And is this a new company you guys have started or has this been a company you've been around for a while or? Uh, it is a, a daughter company of uh, the Vision Pro Labor Laboratory. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> From my dad, uh, it's quite pretty much a company that develops a lot of new stuff uh, pretty much every day. So my dad is a bit positively crazy, I guess, and has a lot of ideas that he wants to bring to life. And the Unidize is one of them. And yeah, <laughs> wow. super exciting journey. And so, and for yourself, I know you've recently uh, graduated uh, from uh, from game, you know, doing game design. Um, is this something that you've been kind of passionate about like your whole life? Have you always been working on games or have you always been kind of involved in, in gaming or? I grew up pretty much in a whole gaming house. So my dad has around 6,500 board games and a Steam library of, I think in, in the meantime, 450 games and stuff. So we pretty much played all weekend, uh, one of my first bigger board games was the Dungeons and Dragons board game. I'm not yeah. sure if you know it. Yep. And I think I was six years old when we played it. And we really played one session after another. And since I was so small, I think one session took 14 hours or so. Uh, <laughs> 6,000 yeah. games is, um, there's a passion. That's almost a sickness. <laughs> that's a yeah. lot of games. <laughs> uh, so Obviously, your dad uh, has, you know, been a big gamer and has been really passionate to his hobby. Um, you know, what what kind of started it all? Like, is this something that even like your family was playing when they're younger? Or how did they kind of build such a massive uh, library of games? So my, my dad absolutely uh, loved gaming since he was small. And then he started to... Uh, work for a games workshop and designed the Lord of the Rings figurines and stuff in the mm. beginning. And he earned quite a bit of money with that. <laughs> and he invested pretty much everything into board games. Uh, <laughs> and so his collection grew and grew and grew. And then he um, studied architecture is the wrong word. So he does the math behind the architecture stuff. I'm sorry, my, I'm missing the word there. That's okay. And uh, yeah, then yeah, he worked uh, on the, the whole building sites and when the money he earned there went pretty much half into board games every month. <laughs> and yeah, so the collection grew and grew and grew within the years and within, I think now 35 years, the collection grew to that amount, yeah. 
Wow. That's crazy. The cool thing about a collection that size, or I have a, a buddy that uh, he, he's in around 2000 something uh, games he has in his collection. He's an amazing resource uh, to talk to just because he's played so many different games and so many different genres um, that he can very quickly when he's playing a game say, oh, this reminds me of, you know, these six games and it's this mechanic from here and this mechanic from that one. And it's kind of a bit of yeah. this theme here. And he's got this shorthand when it comes to talking about games and and kind of giving feedback that um, comes from the benefit of playing so many games and, and him owning so many games. So I'm certain your dad probably is in a very similar situation. What I find interesting is I don't like, has he actually des- developed an actual board game itself? Or is this kind of the first thing he's done in the board game industry? And that's really the first thing that he's done wow. there. So uh, like I said, he was uh, the building sites and stuff uh, yeah. pretty much forced into that job from his parents, as dumb <laughs> as it sounds, but I'm pretty sure everyone knows those situations. And uh, then he founded an LED company. And after some time, he was like, uh, okay, now I just do know what I want. I'm 50 now. It's, it's time's over. I know what gaming. <laughs> And yeah, so then we played one night Mansion of Madness and we got super annoyed by always inputting the rolling results into the application. And then there was like, why isn't there a dice that can communicate with applications? And then the unit dice was founded. Oh, wow. And then yourself in in your schooling um, in in game design, it, I mean, you got into actual programming as well. Or was mm-hmm. it more kind of like UX, UI, or or what, how did your studies kind of map out? What were the, the core things you learned in your studies? Uh, so the, when I studied game development, I really studied everything from C-sharp with the Unity engine to Java programming, a bit of graphic programming, but that was one semester and I absolutely sucked in it. Mm. <laughs> and uh, yeah. In the last semesters, there were also a few uh, things about game design. And there I realized, wait a second, programming's fun, but designing the stuff is even more fun. And then I even ended up um, writing my whole bachelor thesis about game design and world building and how it influences each other and stuff. And yeah, in my last semester, I also joined the company. Mm. And so, yeah, I pretty much used the knowledge that I generated while writing my bachelor thesis in the games I designed for the unit dice. As part of the that thesis, I imagine you would have had to create games, I guess, as part of your studies. Did you create a game even I like before you moved over? I created a world. Oh, you created a world. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very I cool. I created a whole world in the bachelor thesis. I had to create a few games for the, the studies themselves. So in mm-hmm. the second semester, I had to make a game in the fifth semester and a few, yeah, not really games, but things to show off that I can do for example, an inventory management or stuff. Uh, but I think the biggest game was in the fifth semester. It was like a program around half a year, around 16 hours a day for uh, 16 hours a day for that game. It was wow. super huge. <laughs> That's a lot of code. <laughs> yeah. It was horrible. <laughs> and then the decision to come and work with the family. Uh, is this something that was kind of Part of your plan from when you first got into uh, studying game design was that kind of what the the output was that you're you're kind of moving towards, or is this something that just kind of seemed to mesh very well upon graduation? That's like okay, you know, maybe there's some synergies here. How did that kind of come about? 
it, it matched pretty well. So I said my whole life, no, I will never work in any of the companies of my parents because they're working so much and I don't want to do that too. Uh, yeah, it didn't go to plan. Yeah. Uh, now I'm here and <laughs> yeah, but it, I pretty much started uh, studying even before the Unidice was invented. I think my dad had the idea when I was in the second or third semester. And uh, yeah, then he, he made the whole certificates that you need and the, the design protections and stuff before yeah. the development really started. Uh, and when it started, it was like, hey, don't you want to do this with us? And I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's do it. <laughs> working for family or working with family is not always easy, right? It has its benefits and it has its negatives. The benefits being is that you have people that you inherently trust and you've got that trust uh, that's, you know, established by default, by birth, right? Um, the other challenge uh, I find, because I've worked with family members in, in, in the past, is being able to separate the business from the personal, right? And sometimes every uh, interaction, uh, even if you're talking about business, it becomes personal, right? Is the history of the personal that can kind of get tied in there. And I find that's the challenge is being able to kind of separate, you know, yourself from the personal side and say, no, no, let's try to put the family stuff to the side. Let's try to focus on this as kind of business colleagues, which is easier said than, than done. Um, with this uni die in terms of the, uh, the, the generation of it, where, like I'm sure it's gone through many different iterations as they, you know, did all the technology behind this. But how did it start? Did it start based on this game that you mentioned? Is that was that the first iteration of of the die? And then how did it kind of grow from there? So the, the first idea really came up with Mention of Madness, but mm. uh, right, getting in contact with Fantasy Flights is pretty much impossible if you're not a big company. So I think a connection there is is it so realistic at least at the moment? Uh, but yeah, it was pretty much the first idea that we had and. Then we drove it a bit back to, okay, maybe let's just make a die made out of displays that is uh, fully programmable and customizable. And then it was like, yep, yeah, but the, the first idea was we want to make that it can communicate with apps. Okay, yeah, then we make it to be able to communicate with apps. And then it was like, yeah, but we need apps for that. And then I designed the apps for that. And so the project grew and grew and grew. And the funny thing is in the beginning, the unit dice had round displays which is uh, pretty different from now, but these, because we thought, well, okay, there are these smartwatches and they have round displays and they're small, it should work. Yeah. But in the size and with the whole electronics and stuff, it wasn't then really possible to make it with round displays uh, when we want to make it as small as possible. And so we had to rework the whole uh, casing and stuff. And there we found then um, Surface Inc. Uh, a company from the USA who also works for Apple and Microsoft and stuff. And we shoot, uh, shot them the mail like, hey, do we want you want to work with us? Maybe, I mean, we, we never thought that they would respond to be honest, but uh, within 10 minutes, yeah, sure thing, let's do it. Really? And wow. uh, yeah. <laughs> and then they were like, yeah, round displays look nice, everything, but maybe let's just take these displays. And we also need to develop new kinds of displays because you want to charge through displays the die. And so we had to invent a whole new kind of a display. And yeah, <laughs> well, it grew pretty big. And how does it, like, how do you charge that die? So you're saying, is it like, uh, 
uh kind of like the ones where you like with your watch where you set it on the magnetic charger and it just charges that way kind of like you do like a watch or yeah, exactly so yeah. Uh, you just have a, a normal induction charging pad like for your phone or something you yeah. just place the unit dies on there on the right screen it will be marked in the final one we forgot in our prototypes which is always yeah you have to turn the die 20 times until it charges which is annoying but in the final ones it will be marked <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah, yeah, then it's within an hour fully charged. Wow. And then how long does the charge last for? Uh, when you really use it full force all the time and don't let it dim around four hours. Wow, but I managed to gameplay, play yeah. 14 hours sessions. This Saturday, I had a session that took 17 hours that I played with the Unitize and one charge. Wow. And then when, when they're developing this uh, from the engineering side, I'm sure, um, you know, part of the issue is worrying about breakage as you're, you know, throwing a, a die across the table with screens on it, um, you know, the potential for cracks in screens and things like, like, how do you, how do you test for that? Like, do you, is, do you, is it the screen company you're talking to saying, Hey, we need something that's going to be durable or is there some kind of protective layer on top of the screen to keep it um, protected? Or how did you guys deal with that? that were multiple steps so we talked to surface inc and really thought about how can we do it and then we landed with a multi-bonded plastic screen okay and then we had a lot of rolling tests and fall tests and heat and cold tests and stuff and it took i think around half a year or so until we had the formula right that it doesn't scratch and that it can drop from tables and it will even survive if you spill your coke and stuff yeah <laughs> uh, yeah can you dunk it in a tank of water or that's too no. <laughs> if, if you spill your water or a Coke or something, just, just put the unit dice out of there. But if you take it to a bath, when you have a rubber ducky on it, it's absolutely your fault if it dies really. <laughs> so I'm going to show on screen for people who are watching um, either live or on, on the replay. Um, I mean, it looks, it looks super cool. Uh, I, I got to say that. And congrats, I'd say also on um, your funding so far. I mean, you guys still have 16 days to go. I'm going to put this in Canadian dollars just because it's the only way I can see it. The numbers are usually larger. Uh, so you're at uh, almost 200,000 in, in uh, pledges uh, on a goal of uh, about 24,000. So almost at uh, 10 times your original goal. So congrats on that. You guys yeah. must be very, very excited about that. Um, it's Thank a you, absolutely. big accomplishment to get into the six figures and, um, it's, it's a smaller club. So it's cool to see you guys there. Can you, can you walk us through as a kind of scroll over this and show the audience, um, like how, how would this, how does this die work? Like, how does somebody a interact with it? B how do they program it? Can they program it? Like, how does the kind of the basic functionality of this work? So the die itself has different kinds of functionality. So the first thing is that it's completely adaptable by the user. So you have uh, the, the die and each display can simulate its own die. And there we have a companion application called configurations app, where you can really upload your own photos, put numbers on it, text on it, and so, and so on and so forth. You can make a good looking die. And then you can place it on a 3D model inside the app to see, okay, I want on the top, for example, my D20. I want my hit location die at the bottom, on the side, the D100 and stuff. So you can really make the dies you need. Uh, then you press install, it uploads it, and you're pretty much ready to go. You are ready to go. But we also have, uh, for example, the Unidice Fantasies app, 
There you can create a whole character sheet, for example, for your tabletop RPGs mm -hmm. and put in your formulas or you download a pre-made one that is made by the community because there is a whole database around it where you can then just say, okay, I want to throw my fireball. And the unit dice uh, knows, okay, cool, fireball, you throw the die. The calculations get made for you and it tells you how much damage you make with uh, a neat looking skin fitting to the skill you tested and even a sound effect if you like. So it can trigger sound effect over the smartphones. And then we have also a ton of games where you, for example, uh, the Unidai simulates a card deck. You can play cards by double tapping the screen. So it's also double tap uh, sensitive. And uh, we're currently working on a game where you control a character by tilting the die. So that if you really tilt it to the front, that the character moves up and so on and so forth. So it, there are so many possibilities for the unit dice. It's yeah. So it it, <laughs> it almost becomes like it's a die, but at the same time, it's it's almost its own little gaming console. Is that fair to say? Yeah, exactly. So we call it always the the gaming console for your pocket. Wow. Uh, because you can just take it with you and uh, it has the nice effect that, I don't know, meaning you pretty much when you travel around and you want to play something with the family, you you know, install something like Monopoly on your phone. But then you always have the problem that when you, if you don't throw the dice, or you're pretty much tapping only on the, the screen. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the right board game feeling. And that can be resolved by the unit dice. You still throw a die, you interact with the die. So you really have also new games of interacting with digital games and traveling games. And so, yeah. No, that's crazy. And so in the size of this, so in some of the pictures it's showing a person holding it kind of between their, their two fingers, um, like how many inches across is like one of these faces on, on the die? Just let me calculate inches and centimeters. Uh, <laughs> or even, if you want to give a centimeters, that's fine. That's more than half our audience. So <laughs> uh, it's uh, 3.9 centimeters in all dimensions. Uh, I'm right. not sure if you can see it. Yeah. yeah. So, so I have a quite a small hand, so it fits pretty well. That's cool. And when you roll this die, and this is what I'm trying to get my head around, is it the face that turns up or is it just basically when it lands, it will then randomly generate the face to show up? Like I'm trying to think how you do like something... Because it's a six-sided die, so how do you turn that into like a like a D hundred, as you're saying? Is it just it'll randomly generate a face for the when when you roll? Is that how it kind of works? Uh, it, it you upload the whole faces for your dice. Yeah. And then you throw the die, and you say, for example, I have my D one hundred always on the top. As long as the die rolls, the die calculates new numbers. So there is a random number generator, but it is pretty much if you pressed 1000 times a random number generator and then you get the result yeah. since it generates as long numbers as the die rolls and when the die stops then you see the last calculated number so from a d100 for example it will always generate through from 100 to uh, from 1 to 100 mm. and let's say it stops at 47 and then it shows the image 47 there and yeah, that's also on all other sides. So you have really always six random number generators running in there. That's cool. Okay. I think I got my head around that now. <laughs> it's quite complicated. And, I agree. No, no, it's cool. So there's some kind of, is it like a gyroscope or something mm -hmm. in there that can detect as it's moving? And then exactly. when as, as it's rolling, it's continuing to keep randomly generating. And then as soon as I guess it stops, then it, it kind of locks in at the number that was generated at the time it stops. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. How many of these, I guess, technically you only need one then if you're like, you wouldn't need more than one die, uh, if, cause you could program this 
infinite number of ways, right? Exactly, yeah. So you can also uh, switch on the fly. So if the image are on there, the switching is, I don't know, maybe four seconds or so. So you can also swap between dyes super fast. Yeah. Uh, which is also quite neat if you, for example, want to, to have an event die for, I don't know, kingdom death monsters, and then you want to play, I don't know, human punishment, and then you want these die, uh, these dice for that, and you can just switch it on the fly. Oh, that's cool. Wow, this is it, this is super cool. You've got these different case colors too. Like there's, I see on your screen, you've got like blue and red. So how does that work? Is that like a custom order or are these like snap-on cases where you can change the color or how does that work? Uh, that will be a selection of the pledge manager. So we thought in the beginning of the unit dice will be black, but in, during the conventions here in Germany, we had a lot of feedback that people would like to have uh, colored casings for the unit dice. And so we thought, okay, Maybe let's make it for the, the grand milestones that people then can select a color and then they can choose it in the pledge manager to exchange their black dye again for a red dye or a white dye or depending on the colors you unlock, of course. And then it comes with a charging pad, which I can see on, mm -hmm. on the page here as well. Um, and it comes with the case, which I think is, is, is good too, because you want to have this thing protected when it goes into your game bag and you're, and you're traveling. Um, but it also seems like it comes with all these pre-programmed uh, games. So what are some of the games that that it comes with? Uh, so the first one is Cyber Run. I teased it a bit with a deck building game. Uh, okay. It's pretty much uh, yeah, in a cyberpunk universe where symbiotes and humans are living together. And the city is in chaos because of uh, the great underlord bosses that uh, rule the city in the shadows and you have to defeat them. And you have your deck that you can uh, yeah, collect new cards. You can upgrade cards. You can upgrade your character. You can try different combinations of characters, which have special abilities and stuff. We have House of Influence, which is hugely inspired uh, by Among Us, <laughs> I should say. But yeah, so there you have play. Uh, you have a, you need at least three players, and it's yep. pretty much the minority plays against the majority. And you have to collect points and you have to figure out um, with the point changes between the rounds, who is against you and he's, who plays in your team. And it's, it's super difficult to play, but really, really cool when you really manage to, to wrap your head around it. So it's a really clever yeah, social deduction game. And then these um, other games like the Undiced Fantasies, Dice Poker, Caesar, are those then add-ons or how do, how do you get those games as well? Uh, so Cyberrun will be free when the unit dice releases and the rest can be bought, uh, bought in the uh, app store. But okay. we, we really say we don't want microtransaction or something. So if you get a game from us, it will be either you pay once, don't know, $1.99 or stuff, or you get it for free and you can remove ads for a little fee. Okay. But uh, so, so that's since... I, it's my responsibility to design the games and the whole stuff. There will never be any kind of microtransactions or subscriptions because that's just annoying. Yeah, microtransactions are, are are brutal. So, but you will have free games, I guess, that have ads in them. Is that is that kind of part of your monetization model, or? So it's it's when people really say, yeah, uh, when the feedback is really. We would love to have this game for free, like Unidized Fantasies. We had a lot of people, hey, it's yeah. a super complex application. So maybe just make a permanent banner uh, down there that I can remove when I really 
uh, use it and multiple times and stuff. And we just said, okay, yeah, that's absolutely fine. We just make it like that. You have a permanent ad banner in the bottom and you can remove it for 99 cents or something. Got it. Is this die connected then to like the web? Is it, does it have to be like paired to your phone or how does it, how does it communicate in that regards? Like, how does it know that it's, it's got an ad running or it doesn't have an ad running like and, and, or to remove it or not remove it? How does that work? Oh, so the die itself has never ads on it. So you connect the unit dies to your application, your Bluetooth, okay. and then you have the app, the, the ads at the bottom of the screen of your application, but uh, there will never the be phone. pop-ups or something. Uh, so really just the, the smartphone screen. Got so it, it won't be disturbing. No pop-ups, no video ads, just the banner. And then you've got this option to create your own games. Um, so can you talk to me about that? Because I'm sure that is going to be hugely compelling for a lot of people. Um, how yes. does that work? So we created our own software developer kits. There you can pretty much do everything with the Unidize from controlling the screens, reading the gyroscope data, uh, getting the, the double tapping events and everything you need to, to make a nice game. And uh, since there are a lot of different kind of programmers, we decided that we really want to make an SDK for the for Android devices, one for iOS and also one for Unity developers, because most of uh, yeah indie developers use Unity. So we thought, okay, let's go with the Unity engine and then really everyone can make games, gamification applications or whatever. And then how will that work? So if somebody designs a game, will they be able to like sell that game or will there be an option for them to be some kind of like almost like a licensing or something where they can, if they come up with something that's really cool that works on your platform, that there's like a shared monetization of that or have you guys kind of flushed that out at all? Or So we will go there, the Unity engine route. So you yeah. can really fully use it, release games with it. And if you earn around 30K, we get a few percentages of your earnings. But if you really make lower than 30K, you can keep everything for yourself. Oh, wow. This is, uh, it, it's, it's so cool to see like a platform like this kind of at the ground level, right? Like it's, uh, it, it's awesome. Good for you guys on this. Where are you guys kind of going from here? Like how have you mapped out the journey of the company. Like most, you know, most guests I talk to have board games, right? And if they're board game companies, they, you know, have mapped at the next two, three games and kind of the schedule of how they're going to take those, those games to market. In your case, you have a single item, right? That has a lot of different uses for it, but it's a single item. What is, what's the next step for you guys? Is it, is it more programming and more functionality of this? Or is there like a Unidice 2.0 that's coming or kind of what's the plans for you as a company? So for us currently, it's really the, the most important thing to, to fill the unit eyes with lives so, uh, so that we want more applications, we want to give it more features that we have planned. So for example, uh, the GIF support, we really want mm. that the unit eyes can play animations, but it's uh, super tricky to do and it will take, I think, around half a year to really make it work perfectly and half a year. Yeah, this is a lot of costs. I don't need to talk around it. And so we decided, okay, we may make this uh, after the Unidice launched, after people bought the dice, that then there will be an update with uh, GIF support. We want to make new games, of course. So we have uh, a few ideas like a Tamagotchi sort of thing that you can carry yeah. the die around and have a little pet with you. Uh, we, we got a lot of requests to make a sort of Tetris for the Unidice. I'm currently trying to figure out how that works. Okay. And we also had uh, a rendering with a board game 
that people absolutely loved. And I'm currently really bringing this game to life because I was like, hey, which game is it? Can Where can I buy it and stuff? And I was like, it's just rendering, but okay, you guys love it. I make it a real game. So in the future, there will also be a board game for the Uni Dice. <laughs> oh, that's cool. And so you guys are developing like a board game that will then go along with the Uni Dice? Is, is, exactly. Is that correctly? Okay. Wow. Like a real hybrid game, like a bit of Mansion of Madness, but a bit more complex because the dice can take over difficult stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we also want to go in the gamification direction. So the dice is, of course, a gaming device, yeah. but it can be used for a lot of things like learning vocabulary. You see the don't know English word at the top, you turn it around and see, for example, don't know the German word, you double tap the German word, you hear how you, you have to pronounce it on your smartphone. You can use it for time tracking theoretically for, for sport applications. So uh, a sports group in Berlin is already using this to, to roll out the workout that they're doing for this day and stuff. And, it's just so many possibilities that the dice can do beyond gaming that we also really want to go in that direction. For me personally, the coolest thing is smart home control. Mm. So we're already in a conversation with a smart home company who wants to use the unit dice to control lights, uh, the door and stuff and so forth. So yeah, oh, it's there's crazy. a lot of things that will come with it. <laughs> I guess at this point, that becomes the constraint of trying to figure out like this thing can do literally anything your imagination can think of. And the challenge becomes, okay, now how do we kind of corral this into a strategic direction as a company so that exactly we're moving forward, right? Because you can't do everything. I mean, you can't do everything, right? So you got to kind of figure out, okay, what are we going to do? What are some of the things that, yeah, that'd be cool to do, but we just don't have the time or resources to focus on it because that time and resources is better focused over in this other direction. So I'm sure that's been the biggest challenge for you guys as a company. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we discussed a long time, really which direction we're going, uh, but I always wanted to do that. Yeah, let's do that, do everything at once. And I was like, yeah, maybe just let's do gaming first because <laughs> it's a die and people connect the die with gaming. And I was like, yeah, okay, then let's do gaming first. Uh, but as you can see in the Kickstarter, there's already a bit teaser the future uh, of the, the device with the smartphone yeah. control and sports and stuff, because we really want to show people that it will be more than just a gaming device. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, I, I want to congratulate you guys on what you've been able to achieve here as a family and uh, with you. your funding so far, I know that you still got the back end hockey sticks. So where you guys end up is going to be obviously significantly higher than where you're at right now. Um, this is exciting. I can see the passion uh, in you and uh, and I'm sure your your family are just giddy on kind of getting this thing out the door. And I want to wish you guys all the best with this campaign in this coming year. Thank you so much. No worries. You take care. Cheers. You too. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you'd like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time. Oh,